Welcome back to another exciting episode of the Table Topics Podcast. My name is Caleb. Joining me today are... Anas. Chris. Santiago. And today we're going to be talking about how to choose the right system for you. There's plenty of tabletop role-playing games out there. We're all aware of Dungeons & Dragons. There's some more popular ones like Shadowrun and Pathfinder out there as well. But there's even more than that. And that's what we're going to try to tackle today. Not exactly all the different IPs out there, but all the different types mm-hmm. of role-playing games. Yeah. And what might suit you best as both a player and a GM. Mm-hmm. So we're going to dive right into it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like... At this point, if you've listened to a few episodes, you know, yeah, you'll notice that, I mean, half our episodes is talking about different systems, and we, you know, we want to get more and more into less played systems to give them a bit more exposure, but not every system's going to be right for every game, for every campaign, for every story, and for every group of players. Yeah. And so, you know, hopefully this will be a bit of a primer uh, into what to look for and how to pick the one that you'll find works best for you. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's really worth noting that, while we say there are many, 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 many tabletop role-playing games, I found that a lot of the newer ones get more specific. They're a lot uh, further into a niche and are designed to cater towards a very specific style of play. Like... Uh, I recently came across a tabletop role-playing game that was about Filipino mythology and culture, which is not something you'd see with Dungeons & Dragons. So if that type of culture or game would appeal or be interesting to you, then that game is perfect. But for every other gaming table, it's not your choice. It's not what you want. There's a lot of very, very narrow games. Yeah. I feel like that's, again, we talked about this when we were talking about D&D, but it's one of the big strengths of D&D is that it is very broad. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it can be used in a lot of different uh, stories for a lot of different playgroups, uh, which is why people find it approachable. You know, why learn, you know, 10 different niche games when you can learn one broad game that can good do a good enough job of At all these generic fantasy yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's the thing games. like yeah. it is the setting is typically based in the sort of D&D world with fantasy elves yeah. magic all that sort of stuff but that being said it has been expanded to um, you know like spell jammer and stuff like that which is pretty pretty well the same but just shifted to a more sci-fi yeah. realm so there's different things that go into deciding what sort of system you want to play. We kind of tackled a lot of it already, but the players, but also the story that you want to tell could lend itself a lot better to a particular system. Um, What are other things that could affect your decision and maybe influence that in more of a setting? yeah. Yeah. I think for me, the first thing that I'm looking at when I'm starting a campaign is... Or, or if I want to try a new system, is I look at the mechanics and figure out what kind of a game lends itself to those mechanics. Mm-hmm. For example, when I was starting uh, looking for a system for Spire, the campaign I had in mind was a campaign that was going to be a pilgrimage, where all of the players 
had an important mission to do, and at the end of it, they were going to die, and all of the players were well aware that their journey ended in their deaths. And I want to explore that a little bit. So I was looking through uh, so many different systems, and I really wanted to play an Avatar campaign at the time, because that system was just released, and D&D didn't really feel quite right. Shadowrun was definitely not the vibe. I don't like Exalted. Uh, I would never run it. Uh, And as I was researching, I came across Spire, and on the third page of the book... It specifically tells you an outline of this world and who the player characters are. And one of them is all of the characters are going to die. This is specifically a setting and a system that is designed with your player characters have an end date. They will be broken by the end of your story. Uh, And I think finding a system that really mechanically supports the story that you're trying to tell makes everything so easy. It makes everything so beautiful. So do you take uh, an idea you have for a story and then try to find a system that fits it? Or do you look at a system and see what kind of story you could tell with that? I think you could go either way. Because I've I've seen systems like Blades in the Dark, for example, is is so rich in terms of the stories and hooks that it gives you Mm -hmm. just as you're reading the book that you can come up with campaigns after reading the book and be like, oh, this would be fun for me to explore. Um, But I personally prefer to do the inverse of I start with the story that I want to tell and I try to find uh, mechanics and systems that will help support that. And that shapes the story that I want to tell in a lot of ways. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's a good way to do it, but, you know, it's not necessarily the only way. This mm-hmm. is, like, this is a very subjective topic, and so I have seen and played stuff where it's, like, sometimes you just look at a system, and it has its core uh, setting, like the world and what have you, that is designed for the system, or the system is designed for that world, and so they mesh together well, and you're like, I want to do that. Mm-hmm. And so now you have to figure... You, then uh, I sit and write the story to work with that. The first time I ran Shadowrun was that was me and a friend of mine. Uh, were, uh, a friend of mine introduced me to Shadowrun, and he was like, "I really want to play this. I have zero GMing skills. Are you willing to GM this?" And that was my first exposure to Shadowrun, uh, and I I fell in love. I was like, "I love the setting. I love the world." I love the gameplay. I love that, like, crunchy, like, everything had a uh, a bit to work. And so I was like, okay, now from here, let's build a story that is fit for this. Mm-hmm. And so, naturally, for that campaign, and, like, again, all the players we played with, ended up playing with were players where we were like, hey, this is a thing, does this seem exciting? Because we want to play this. Yeah. Uh, and so they're like, oh, yeah, this Shadowrun thing, the mechanics are, uh, are exciting to me, and the setting is exciting. And so we want to play this. I think a lot of the draw to a lot of people, whether you're a player or a GM, is initially the setting. Yeah. Right? It's like, what kind of world are you based in? Mm -hmm. Obviously, as a GM, you have to think a lot more about... I mean, this. I am speaking in more general terms, but you want to think more about the mechanics and how everything will play out a, a little bit more than, you know... The players typically, so that is something that you want to consider definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the setting is a big, a big 
factor in determining like what what type of system you might want to go for. Yeah, so I agree. It's the 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 setting can be like the first major draw, and it's you know what a lot of people think about. But then it, you can also go. I have a game in mind. Like I have a story in mind, and yeah. uh, I have a system for it. I feel like that is more the thinking. If after you've exposed yourself to one or two or three systems, mm-hmm. where you're, you know, this is this is a little bit biased, but I feel like a lot of people are used to D and D for tabletop RPGs, and because it's so broad, it, you know, it's like, uh, uh, it's the why use ten tools when you can use one? That is all the tools. Well, because it's you know it's not very just fine slap cute. it on everything. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of it, people that go into like tabletop role playing games that have only played D and D, only GM D and D, and they yeah. think of tabletop role playing games as oh, it's the D and D world. Like yeah. it's only based in that. Whereas there's so many other stories you can yeah. tell. Yeah, but, uh, but I feel like again from there they go mm-hmm. like okay, I want to run something in a futuristic world. Well, I'll just reflavor all the D&D abilities yeah. and we're just running the D&D system. Yeah. And that that will work uh, for people, but I feel like once you've exposed yourself to like, okay, there's you know, Shadowrun out there, there's you know, uh, Lancer, there's, uh, you know, Blades in the Dark, uh, Spire, you know, you've exposed yourself to it doesn't even have to be like that many, like one or two systems outside of the, the one you first played. Mm-hmm. Uh, then you start thinking, okay, I have a story in mind. What system would work? Mm-hmm. Uh, again, assuming that your playgroup uh, is starts like the GM is the person that starts the pl- the campaign, because I feel like, or at least I encourage this. Uh, the GM doesn't have to be the person that starts the campaign, and what system to use and the setting like that is effectively a group decision. Well, I mean, even with your example, when you're yeah. talking about Shadowrun, like yeah. that's how that came about, right? Yeah, it's the player came up to me and I was like, yeah, you know, I can't GM. You could GM. Want to play this together? And you GM? I'm yeah. like, yes, uh, let's do that. Uh, and I feel like that's to- totally possible. But then even outside of that, it's like unconsciously players are doing this when a GM is like, hey, I got a idea for a world, a story, and a setting. Uh, do you want in? He has to present these to the players and the players mm-hmm. intrinsically agree. I'm, I am I agree to this, this, and this. Here's my pitch. Yeah. yeah. It, effectively, it's the GM pitching it, but it could also be a group thing. Like, it could be like the group comes together. It's like, okay, we want to play a thing. Who has ideas? What systems? And it, uh, it could uh, come to group consensus, which is why this is so subjective. Not every play group will play the same or will start the same or know each other the same. Like, a lot of uh, players out there might be playing with strangers. And, you know, when you're playing with strangers, it's not as comfortable as when you're playing with some of your closest friends to be like, okay, here's uh, uh, with your close friends, you could present it and group yeah. think uh, what to play before you play because you just want to play a game together. Yeah, when with strangers, probably someone has an impetus to get the ball rolling for everyone else. I think there is a very... Easy, easy place to like fall into with regards to finding a system that works, mm-hmm. and it's it's the it's the issue that just because it works doesn't mean that it's a good system for it. Yeah, because <clears throat> to use an to use a very crude analogy example, if you keep pushing the square peg in the round hole, eventually 
erosion will make that square peg fit the round hole. Yeah. yeah. Like, like it, uh, not erosion, I can't remember the... Friction. Friction will yeah. Ma- yeah. eventually make it fit. You can you can find a system and you can make it work for anything. Mm-hmm. My my example would be there's a tabletop system called Dread that's supposed to be about uh, people surviving and dying in a horror setting. That's why it's called Dread. You could make it in a, a fantasy uh, series uh, with like plucky heroes surviving a horrible situation and overcoming it. But that's not what the system's made for, and it's not at all, like, geared for it. You can make it work, but that doesn't mean you should. Yeah. And I feel like that's the issue that a lot of people, yeah. like, encounter. And, and my personal issue I have with people trying to make D&D be everything, just because D&D can quote-unquote be everything doesn't mean it should be everything. Okay, speaking of things that can be anything, what about GURPS? That I don't want to get into it. I hate her. <laughs> I'm, kidding. I'm kidding. Okay, so one of one. I hate GURPS. No, I, I will rant for half an hour about GURPS. I hate GURPS. I think we'll it's a terrible thing. We'll have a whole separate thing. episode just for GURPS. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so why don't we get into a little bit more of the nitty gritty of trying to decide, I guess, what system works best for you because there's things like what type of story do you want to tell Mm -hmm. and in that you know something if you want it to be a light kind of adventure where you guys are slaying the dragon defeating the big bad at the end or do you want it to be a more noir dark type story like uh spire and Mm -hmm. something like that right yeah i feel like this is genuinely a big thing to consider for the system is how likely are player characters to die? Because that, yeah. I feel like, influences what system you can pick a lot. Because a game like D&D, characters don't die a lot. Yeah, past 5th level, it is really hard to permanently kill a D&D character. Yeah, but uh, which is why like, if you're trying to play a game with high stakes where they could die in any second, that's not going to work. Uh, a game like Eclipse Phase... A character can die anytime. Eclipse Phase does have, like, the story, the setting caveat of uh, characters have backups for their mind that they can download into new bodies. But, like, bodies in situation, it, it's just you, you die left, right, and center. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're talking about permanent character death, uh, something like uh, Shadowrun or Cyberpunk Red, or you're supposed to be in this uh, cyberpunk, you know setting where one wrong turn means you're dead and that's it yeah and that lends itself to a darker more serious tense story yeah yeah because you know the players will handle situations differently if if they're like uh i'm thinking of another system called paranoia and paranoia uh death does not have much consequences like maybe after your fifth death your deaths will have consequences and it's like you know, like Looney Tunes style, you die. And they uh, pop out a clone and that's smiling out. and happy. Yeah, yeah. that's smart. Exactly. So in that, the characters will play differently because they're like, the consequences isn't death, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I feel like death... The character- consequences is being labeled a communist. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like being a mutant, if you die more than five times, that's like the big one of the big consequences mm-hmm. uh, becoming a mutant. And so... I smell a traitor. <laughs> 
I do smell traitor, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Anyway, I feel like death, how often players die and how death is treated is a big way to gauge the system and if that's right for your game. Like how mm-hmm. yeah. you can think of like how do you want death in your game and then compare that to how death is in a system, how likely, how often, uh, how it's treated. And that, I think, gives you a gauge for whether this system is the, uh, is right for you or not, whether this is lining up with your story or not. Yeah, because uh, I agree. Because I, I think in a lot of games, the almost standard expectation is that death is very heavy, and if a character is dying, it's rare and it's significant mm-hmm. in narrative play, mm-hmm. and it's like typically a big heroic or like meaningfully narrative thing mm-hmm. uh, but it really doesn't have to be you can mm-hmm. we could run a game of Lancer where hey terrible terrible situation everyone has five backup characters at the start of it because all of you are going to die at some point or another that's just the nature of war yeah that's a valid way of playing and it's uh, among the things in your session zero and even pre-planning the campaign, how deadly do you want it to be? Yeah. Because I, I agree, it really changes the types of systems that you can play. You can also kind of have a bit of in-between where there is a system that death might be very likely, but it or rare, but it's also not treated in the same way of like a heroic sort of mm-hmm. big thing where it is... Yeah, you just die. Like yeah, it's not big. You blades know? in the dark. It's just yeah. like once you're dead. Yeah, that, that, that that's life in yeah. uh, Duskval. A new uh, a, a new vagabond replaces you, mm-hmm. and the and the crew lives on. Yeah, well, mm-hmm. your dead means your death means nothing, and it'll happen whenever. It yeah. doesn't mm-hmm. matter. Yeah, it's that's great for tone setting. Yeah. How yeah. how much does your character's death matter? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, and another thing, I guess, kind of related to that is the skill level of the characters, yeah. like the PCs, right? How powerful do you want them to be in the world? How yeah. influential are they as characters? Yeah. How impactful are they to the world exactly. at large? Yeah. Again, in Blades in the Dark, nothing your characters will ever do will ever, like, affect the world in a major way. And conversely, in Exalted, everything your characters do... Changes has, fate. Yeah. Changes yeah. literal fates of millions. Yeah. Yeah, so it's like it's it's a different way to play, and like different games have different ranges. I feel like if you're playing D and D again, it's nice because uh, to talk about because a lot of people know it and it's broad. Uh, I feel like whether you're playing a level three campaign or a level thirteen campaign or a level twenty campaign, your weight on the world is different. Mm-hmm. So systems can have a range of you know your weight and influence on the world. But, like, again, some the range is on different scales. Like you were saying with Exalted, the lowest you imp- like impact you can have is on the scale of countries. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, yes, it can scale up to existence between countries and existence, but, like, it's already very heavy from the beginning. Mm-hmm. While in Blades in the Dark, I guess the most you can affect is a district, but at the, the middle ground and the least you can affect is nothing. Yeah, and, like, there's even more mundane systems out there than that. And 
it's kind of funny to think about that as like a fun, you know, tabletop role playing game. But when you've kind of experienced a lot of them in more kind of big, impactful, sort of like magical or, you know, crazy powerful characters that you get to play, it, there is some fun and also novelty. Exactly. Just the kind of. You're 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 playing nothing. You're playing shit. You're, in you're, mud. you're playing Guy McMook, the <laughs> mook of every other campaign, and, and you are around super powerful people. It's yeah. just like there's some novelty and fun yeah. about that too. A, a lot of horror settings, you you're just a guy trying to survive. You're you're just a person. Don't got anything special about you. You're gonna die. And it's funny because that can exist in like the same world as Exalted, where it's mm. like you know you could be playing as a person, and obviously, like, I'm not saying use Exalted for this, because that's the whole thing we're getting at, is yeah. don't try to fit something that doesn't fit, um, but there can be settings like that where there's demigods flying around, and you're just a person, and just based on perspective about mm-hmm. who you're playing, it goes from, mm-hmm. oh, this is, like, you know, whatever, like, I'm super powerful, I don't really suffer too many consequences, to I'm just some guy... This is insane. I have barely any agency over yeah, my life my expectancy is two weeks. <laughs> I, I'm yeah. just imagining a campaign set in like a DC or Marvel, and yeah. you're just playing like the henchman to the main villain. <laughs> well, yeah, right. Actually, that's a great transition point uh, to what I wanted to say next or talk mm-hmm. about next. So we're talking about death as a means to be able to differentiate RPG systems. Another very easy way to differentiate and be able to pick one is knowing what kind of genre you're looking for, what kind mm-hmm. of story you want to tell mm-hmm. in the more broader sense. Mm-hmm. Like, if you know that you are going to have superpowers in your system... Or you superheroes, want, yeah. yeah. There are dozens of superhero RPGs, and you kind of... You can make your own, but there's also a plethora to pick from. And every everything from, like, very specific, crunchy... Like DC Heroes, which it DC Heroes has a chart telling you that if you have this power, you can move at this speed exactly, and that's right. how fast you can move. Or you can go into the more abstract and modular, like Mutants and Masterminds, where any power can be simulated, but it is a very abstract system where you have to be able to understand the system intrinsically. To be able to make any power, but it is so so flexible, yeah. extremely flexible. Yeah. So it knowing what kind of genre you want to play, whether it's heroes, monsters, fantasy, sci-fi, superheroes, mundane, uh, zombie survival. Uh, you know, there's, yeah. There's so, a lot of yeah, genres sort of that like you can, genre archetype of a story. Yeah, you can. There are groups of RPGs that cater to the genre you want to play. Mm-hmm. I will say on that though, there's an excellent extra point in the middle of what you said. Uh, and that is, I feel like uh, while certain systems have settings uh, uh, that they are made for, I feel like you can play honestly next to any system in any setting. You know, we were just talking about Exalted and like, oh, how cool it would be to play the little man in Exalted. You can take the Exalted setting, if it's a setting that excites you, and play Blades in the Dark in that setting. 
Yeah. And, and adapt and, the setting. Yep. Yeah. And, and then and just use the mechanics. Just for use the mechanic for yeah. plates in the dark for the yeah. small uh, people. Yeah. And then uh, you have the setting and world of Exalted. Uh, I think if you're trying to... There are some systems that you cannot play the system without its setting. Mm-hmm. Again, uh, the reason I, uh, Exalted is a good example. I f- think it's very hard to play the Exalted mechanics not in the Exalted world. The, like, the two are tied together and can't you can't untie them. It's the same with uh, Vampire the Masquerade. Mm-hmm. I don't think you could play the Vampire the Masquerade game uh, like uh, system outside the setting of vampires mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. hiding in plain sight so you're basically forced to play the setting of vampire the masquerade that kind of goes back to what uh, mm-hmm. Chris was saying at the very start yeah. where some are very niche and- yeah but setting wise I like I encourage you to just look at the setting and be like I, you could totally play a different system in that uh, setting as long mm-hmm. as you play, you know, a a story that the system allows yeah. for. Steal flavor from everywhere and everything. Yeah. Because if you're like, man, Exalted's got the coolest lore ever, but man, I hate the mechanics. That's okay. You can steal whatever you like from every system and bring it to your game. That's yeah. not a problem. Just make sure that your mechanics match the type of game that you want to play. Yeah. Um, especially, like, what we've been saying, the power level of characters. How much influence do their abilities give them over the world? Yeah. And also, what is your character... Like, your your player characters, what is their chance to succeed at any given action yeah. that they're yeah. doing? Yeah. Because the chance mechanics in a lot of systems will significantly change the outcome of the story. Yeah. Um, if you're looking at ex- Eclipse Phase, you have a percentile dice system. Mm-hmm. Players are pretty unlikely to succeed on most things that they're not great at. Yeah. And even the things that they're really good at, usually it's like 30, 40% chance they're going to fail. Yes. And that informs the story in a lot of ways. Because when your players roll the dice, they're like, I'm at a disadvantage here. As opposed to something heroic or like D&D, where it's like, I'm good at this thing. I'm going to kick its ass unless I roll really, really badly. Uh, unless I roll a nat one. Otherwise, yeah. even my two is good enough to... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or, or like... And the, yeah, and there are yeah, lateral yeah. differences to that. Like, mm-hmm. Blades in the Dark, it's like... <laughs> Blades in the Dark, you're very likely to succeed at any roll, but you're also very likely to face consequences. Yeah. So it's like high success, but a lot of success and a lot of consequences. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's like just different than being like less and or uh, more likely to succeed. That's the thing. They're not conversely related, yeah. like by definition, right? Yeah. yeah. It, even like Star Wars Edge of the Empire, there's some systems where you can get a critical, like critical success and still fail the role with advantage or disadvantage. Like there's... Yeah. There's some weird dice systems out there that's like reading the bones of the situation. Yeah. That's uh, an accurate description of Edge of the Empire. <laughs> reading the bones. You roll your rocks and read the bones. Um, what they mean? And, and yeah, the, uh, and that's a problem that I found with a lot of systems like Edge of the Empires, where the tone of the game that was 
trying to be established didn't match the mechanics. Mm -hmm. And so we ended up having characters that felt like super heroic who were supposed to be like rough and tumble, like down on their luck, uh, you know, random rogues in the universe that weren't supposed to influence anything. And I couldn't make them fail with the maximum difficulty that I, as a GM, was allowed to put on their roles, they were still blowing past every threat mm. that I threw at them. And it was like, they're just gods in this world, in yeah. this little toy box that I've made, and they were supposed to be like vagabonds on the run. To be fair, as one of the players in that campaign that you ran, I made my character hyper-optimized to do one thing and one thing only. Mm-hmm. Kill. Yeah. <laughs> and boy, did you do it. <laughs> Uh, honestly, there's a lot of situations where you won't be able to judge it properly. Without playing it. Without playing it. So, find a thing that you think fits, uh, and if the mechanics look fun, and you're like, oh, I could see us enjoying this, give it a try, it might not work. And that's okay, and you can try again with a new system. I I would almost say to, like, buy a flavorful book looks interesting to you regardless of mechanics. Like, like just if you like the flavor of the book, mm-hmm. buy it. Because either the systems are great, it meshes perfectly, everything, the stars align, everything's great, or there's something you liked about that book in the first place and you can take it for something else. Like, as long as you like something about it, you haven't lost value. I agree completely. Uh, I also want to point out that me too. Yeah. <laughs> same. <laughs> hey, transitions are plus hard. Plus one. <laughs> same Z's. Yeah. Uh, plus 0.5. Uh, oh, that's not completely. Yeah. That's only 50%. Uh, no. Uh, so uh, I completely agree. Um, what I also want to add and say, uh, and this is from my own personal experience, is we're stressing like picking out a system and everything. But it's also still completely fine to play with the wrong system. Yeah. Like, you know, the ultimate goal of this isn't to play correctly. Yeah, yeah, you're not supposed to choose the right one. And if you don't, then you shouldn't even be playing. No, no. it's ultimately to have fun. And you can have fun with a system that is not the, the best. I think mm-hmm. of uh, Shadowrun. We talk about it a lot. The Shadowrun campaign I'm currently running... I should have ran in the Shadowrun setting, but not with the Shadowrun system. I had already homebrewed a bunch of stuff. I was a relatively experienced GM. I could have homebrewed a system. Mm-hmm. And it, I think, system-wise, would have been more fun to play because the Shadowrun system is not what the tone of that game is or was intended to be. Mm-hmm. I just wanted that setting. right? And so, in hindsight, I would have not played the Shadowrun system mechanics. But... All of these, all of the other co-hosts are players in Shadowrun. Is Shadowrun fun? No, no, absolutely the worst not. game I've yeah. ever played. I can't believe we're still meeting up for. All you. right, it's audience, like I quit. Box. This is the last episode <laughs> for me. I'm gonna go dig myself into a hole yeah. and cry. We hate it so much that we've dedicated over three years to it. <laughs> yeah, it's entirely out of spite. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> No, of course we enjoy it. Yeah. That's what you want to hear, right? (laughs) We like pain. No, but I I am of the opinion, from my perspective, Mm -hmm. and I do get self-doubt about this all the time, that 
me and the players really enjoy it. And the mm-hmm. b- biggest validation yeah. for me is that players come to me all the time and talk to talk about it when we're not running. They're like, oh my god, Ennis, this is so cool. Or uh, it's like, what if this happens? Or what if things go down this path? And like, we talk about it all the time, even off on the podcast. We've mentioned it many times off the podcast. It's like, I, I, I would say a good... 20% of our conversations end up being about Shadowrun, even when there are strangers around. The other day, I, we had to exp- uh, explain to Vic uh, some stuff about Shadowrun, just because Santi and I just started gushing about it uh, while the three of us were hanging out. That's how you can tell that the players are into it. <laughs> yeah, and so we're all really enjoying it. We're all really into it. I don't think it's the perfect system. I don't think it's even the right system for that game, but we've made it work, and we're enjoying it. Yeah, I think one lesson to take from this, and from from the, the like an overarching tone yeah. that should be had, is not that there's a right, like there's a perfect system for every game necessarily, yeah. uh, or or that there's a right way yeah. uh, for. Uh, what, I mean, objectively, no, it's just so is, funny but... because it's. Oh, I know. <laughs> I, I read one. that. I read that, yeah. and I completely disagreed with yeah, it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So. Um, no, I read that and disagreed with it. No, yeah. there's not necessarily a perfect system for every game. Uh, but there are systems that can fit it, you know, more or less you can, you as a game master can do a lot towards making a system that is almost right and making it perfect for your system by you intervening and adding your own aspects to it. That's fine. I, for me, I believe that it is more important for a game master to be open-minded in terms of game systems and be willing to look past just the systems they know to being able to take from things that could improve their games and make things fun for them and their players or more fun. Yeah. Because a lot, because I've seen this a lot where a game master refuses to look at any other system because it is not what they know. Yeah. And I, and this is part of my grievance with D and D. Whereas a lot of D&D players and game masters are so hard focused on I play D&D that they refuse to even consider other game systems. Mm-hmm. D&D is great. I like D&D. Yeah. I think it does a lot of great things. Open your mind. Have Look yeah. at other things. I found that when I am running multiple of the same system that... I find myself in patterns where I get in ruts of the same storytelling cliches and uh, the same, like, narrative hooks and just patterns in my own brain that come from, I'm running D&D, these are the things that... It's what you associate with it, right? Yeah. Uh, So, I try to optimize it in my brain of, like, okay, I am slowly crafting the perfect D&D campaign by amalgamating everything I've done before. But branching out into something like Spire, where I was like, ah, I have an idea for the type of game that I want to play, and then looking and finding a system that fits that really well, it brought so much flavor and uniqueness and interesting qualities and abilities and things that I never would have thought of or never would have brought to the game if I didn't seek out a new system and if if I hadn't, you know... Uh, looked for something new and interesting that sparked my imagination like that. Uh, it would have been a lot different, and I think a lot worse if I was just like, all right, I'm just going to run 
what I've thought of in D&D. Mm-hmm. It, it's almost like a, a a prompt because of the setting and the new mechanics and rules. Yeah. Well, it's what they say. Uh, restriction breeds creativity. Mm-hmm. And when you... And, and that's kind of like a double-edged sword because when you restrict yourself to D&D, you're forced to be creative in just the mindset of D&D. In the yeah. band of my player characters can use fireball. Yeah, <laughs> well, that, that's the thing. Like, so many people, when they want to like tell a you know spacefaring adventure story, they're like, how can we make D&D fit? And we're just kind of trying to say, you don't have to. You know, you can explore. There's different systems out there because there's different mechanics out there as well. Like, Different ways to play, different... Exactly, uh, and they could be more fun. Like, as much as you enjoy D&D, there there could be something out there that's even more fun, and just maybe explore it, you know? I think, like, maybe (laughs) about 90% of the people I talk to that have, whenever whenever I say, like, oh, yeah, I play tabletop role-playing games, or... What's that? Yeah, and then they'll be like, oh, I play D&D. And I was like, Yeah. yeah, it's like, oh, okay, like, have you played anything else? They're like, what? It's like, oh, yeah, there's there's more out there. Others? You know? No, like, 100%. Imagine, like, imagine going through your life and being like, yeah, I play sports. Oh, you play football? No, baseball. What's that? Yeah, like, there's there's other, you know, forms of it out there. Yeah. And it's just explore it, you know? like, And you can always go back to D&D. Yeah. <laughs> Don't worry, it's there. And because of what you're saying, Kelp, that's mm-hmm. why I kind of disagree with you, Santi. Mm-hmm. I do think there is a perfect system for each game. I just don't think you have to play the perfect system. You can get close enough and still have fun. But I think that intrinsically... There's been so many made. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I think there's intrinsically there is a perfect system, even if it's not published. Like, there are, are people out there who just homebrew their own systems for their mm-hmm. own... the their own story and vibe that they want to play. So you can create your own perfect system. Yeah, so you can create your uh, perfect system. Theoretically, I think a perfect system exists okay, for if each we're, game. If, if we're going to get into the argument... Let me wrangle this. But I agree that uh, what uh, you don't have to play the perfect system, but you should, you know... Go out there, try something else. There, there are many systems that are like you know ninety five percent perfect, and that's more than good enough. Shadowrun's only fifty percent perfect for my campaign. Uh, you know what I just thought about, Chris? Mm-hmm. Uh, a friend of ours made his own system for one reason. I'm thinking of Michael. Yeah, yeah. He, from my understanding, the initial impetus for him making his own system is he just wanted a system that he that has unlimited scaling indefinite scaling that you know there's no max level and there's no max skill cap you can just keep going yeah. higher and higher and higher and michael i love you worst system i've ever played it was also the first system i ever played so i didn't know that at the time uh in but, hindsight <laughs> in hindsight terrible garbage system but it was still so fun to play. Yeah, it, it was still fun to play. It was fun to work with it. Between sessions, we would chat about not just, like, our characters and min-maxing stuff, about, like, how to alter the system he he, he was trying to get it to, to get him just in. right. Yeah. And, and for him, that was, for Michael, the perfect system. Like, mm-hmm. w- uh, it wasn't what me or you were looking for, but for the story he had in mind and the 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 weight of the world that he had in mind mm-hmm. it was perfect because what he wanted uh, uh uh again he wanted the the characters to be the the mud in the bucket uh and 
That way, no matter how high we leveled up, there's always plenty of characters that are stronger. There's always a bigger fish. There's always a much bigger fish. And yes, I, I would say that system is not going to be published anytime soon. <laughs> Sorry, Michael. Uh, <laughs> it's just... I, I don't think it, it, it has you know, enough popular appeal, yeah. but it still had its place and, you know, people I, enjoyed in it. In basement I, game, yeah. yeah. I could see Michael publishing it now out of spite, as <laughs> you just said that. Also, I think our main, like, disagreement point basically boils down to me saying the pursuit of perfection is admirable, but ultimately futile, and you saying perfection is attainable. I See, I agree more with Santi, but yeah. it, but I also agree with you because you're saying, oh, there's like 95%. I, I think perfection like, I think that's exactly is attainable. It. It's unlikely, but it is attainable. And I say the pursuit of perfection is admirable, but impossible. <laughs> I think saying yeah. that there's a perfect system is... I think that you're going to be limiting yourself and then mm. kind of lying to yourself... Or, like, maybe not always. Or but dejecting yourself, to or, being sad. Or, or letting yourself put on the horse blinders of, this is what this story is, rather than like, oh, I have this cool idea. Well, it doesn't really fit. Yeah. And so, right then, it becomes not perfect. Yeah. And that's fine. Yeah. And that's all I'm yeah. trying to say. I think earlier, Caleb, you hit the nail on the head of, it, it's just got to be fun. Yeah. Right? That's and it. realistically, when I'm looking at a new system, because... I buy PDFs of so many systems I will never play in my life. Uh, I have Avatar The Last Airbender books. All those probably aren't getting cracked open for at least another year or two. Uh, but it's so fun to, to read them and get the ideas and being able to look at a system and say, that looks really fun to play with. Yeah. Or like, this is an yeah. interesting idea. This is an interesting mechanic. This, mm-hmm. is, this is different than something I've seen before. Yeah, like... When I saw the bond powers for Lancer or uh, during Spire when I was first reading the rulebook and I saw all of the various character abilities and I was like, these look like fun to play with. And I can imagine mm-hmm. how much fun my players would have getting to mess around with these and getting to play with these. Uh, and I think that's a lot of what people feel for the first time when they're looking at Dungeons and Dragons, like reading the spells for the first time and imagining the possibilities that you can create in the world. Uh-huh. And it's like, oh, that's going to be fun when I use that. And that's what makes a really good tabletop role-playing system, uh-huh. is being able to to look at the things and imagine the possibilities of it. Uh, I have a question. Mm-hmm. You're the only uh, non-GM here, because I feel like we're talking very much from a GM perspective. Caleb, you're the only, like non-regular GM. You've GM'd, like, one-shots and things uh, of sort. What do you think of about, like, from from a player perspective? Do you think a player has a lot of influence on choosing the system? Um, I think, again, as a player, I think the main draw, and this is what I started with, is the setting. Like, what the world is. Because, I mean, yes and no. It comes from having played a bunch of systems and interacting with a bunch of different abilities and mm-hmm. character styles and ways of creating different builds, right? Yeah. Um, there might be some things that I enjoy, like, oh, I really like the way that Lancer talents and uh, license levels fit together, and like, there's levels of them that you take, and they're very plug-and-play. Mm-hmm. Like, I really like that, but 
I think the main drive, and of course this is object or subjective. Um, I mean, all of this is, but I think the main draw for me personally is the the setting, both in what the world is like. You know, if it's you know sci-fi versus you know high fantasy versus you know modern, and then also the power level of the characters. Oh, am I somebody very influential? Does what I do really matter in the grand scheme of things? Or am I just, mm-hmm. you know, a piece of dirt? Mook number three. Yeah, mook number three, right? Yeah. And I think those are the main draws. And then after that is when I start looking at, okay, what are the some of the characters I can build? Mm-hmm. I mean, sometimes I'll have an idea of a character. Yeah. And I've never, I've never gone into a campaign being like, I have this character in mind. Let's find a system to system work. that works with it, right? Okay. I, I was gonna ask. It's like if if I came up to you and I'm like, "Hey, I have this world in mind, this kind of story that like all, all the setting questions you had." But I was like, "But I have no idea what system will play." Would you sign up for that campaign? hundred. If you like the the other definitely the precursors, definitely okay. And then I, that's the thing. Whatever I'm presented with is then I'll find a character in there, mm-hmm. and in. Even if I have a character in mind, mm-hmm. I don't typically have all the abilities mm-hmm. and, like, special powers in mind. I have more who they are, w- what they like to do, their defining features and traits, their goals and ambitions, you know? Mm-hmm. More so that than the actual mechanics of a character, right? Yeah. Listening to Caleb talk, I'm just realizing that him and I build characters completely completely reversed. different completely <laughs> different because i am always mechanics first and yeah. then i build story around the character uh you're a min maxer baby i'm a min maxer i, hard, I baby. love that story <laughs> i don't get to choose a, like make a lot of characters Sad, Ennis. <laughs> you Forever said that so man. sadly. Yeah. yeah, it's like, it's a realization. It's like, I'm thinking, like, oh, well, wishfully, my character was pretty much forced on me. Mm-hmm. He, he, well, all of us. Yeah. And the Orion was also just you. <laughs> I, I was going to say, like, the only characters I've made in a long, long time for, like, campaigns that I, that were, like, more than one-shots is Florian and Pyrrha. Yeah. And one of them was a cheat. I stole it. <laughs> Where did you steal Florian from? Nice. Wouldn't you like to know? <laughs> right. Well, yeah. I think it's time for that new segment again. Oh, that thing we all love? <laughs> Questions for the rest. Is it still new? It's been months. So, if you had to choose one system that you had to play for the rest of your life, what would it be? Sati, you're first. No, I no. Why do I have to be first? That's not fair. Because panic. Go. That's not fair. No. Go. 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 Okay. If I had to pick, play or GM? Both. Both. Like, like, can I pick two different ones? Nope. Really? Only yep. one. Just one. Fuck. <sighs> We're gonna be here for a while because I gotta think. I have an answer. I would probably play Eclipse Phase. I was going to say that too. Yeah. I I just feel like the percentile system and it has a bit of flexibility with skills and things like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, 
we haven't talked about it on the podcast yet, or at least Eclipse Space First Edition. I have not seen Second yeah. Edition. What Second Edition is like. Uh, I could play that for a really long time, and I can make a lot of stories fit with that system. Okay. Yeah. I, Similar. Yeah. Same. Same. Eclipse Space uh, First Edition. Yeah. Uh, I it, for many of the same reasons. I think. Uh, personally, I have a lot of like ideas in mind for both characters, and I really like the system in general, like the way you, uh, it's set up with both the dice mechanics, but also the world in general. Yeah. I think it's a nice level of character as well that I yeah. enjoyed playing. Yeah, I think like even outside of that, the core setting for Eclipse Phase, you mm-hmm. can I think I, you can make it work for a lot of systems. You could just mm-hmm. be like. You know, everyone uses just the default human body, which is an option, yeah. because in Eclipse phase you can swap your bodies, everyone's default human body, and then we can be in any setting, basically. Yeah. Uh, it'll be mostly modern settings, because, like, guns and stuff are a big part in the system, but, like, you you could probably run, like, you magic and it. stuff, yeah. 100%, yeah. Okay. Uh, one system, and why is it GURPS? Oh. <laughs> Is that the second question, or are you just asking no, me No, just again? for you. No, fuck GURPS. I'm sorry. I fucking hate GURPS. No, but it's the, the no, general I, no, universal... F- fuck your GURPS. Roleplay system. system. It's... I don't care if this... The, my cursing... Get, I don't like GURPS. I think GURPS is terrible. But, but you can uh, do anything with it. Sure. It's so versatile. It's so versatile. Okay, okay. I'm just going to quote something. When you can do anything, you can't do anything. Mm-hmm. Like like, so like when you can do everything. When you can do everything, yeah. you can't do anything. Right. Like it's just so fucking. I'm not gonna get into it. I can rant about yeah. it. The one system, mm-hmm. and I've been thinking about this while you guys have talked about. It, I think I might actually choose mutants and masterminds. I thought you were about to say D and D fifth edition. That would be such a funny. <laughs> no 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 no. I thought about it. No no. Uh, mutants and masterminds. I I feel like. If I were restricted to one RPG only playing and running for the rest of my life, I would be able to get a handle on its cre- like versatility enough that I would be able to make it work for anything else. Mm-hmm. Fair. That's fair. All right. That's fair. All right. Question number two. Are there any systems that you have always wanted to try but haven't gotten to yet? Cyberpunk Red. I, I'm a big fan of the like that cyberpunk genre and anything mm-hmm. uh, in general, and I've heard a lot of good things, read a lot of good things about Cyberpunk Red, but I just have not had the time, chance, or I've also occupied too much of my time with my hybrid mutated Shadowrun campaign to really uh, take the time to look into Cyberpunk Red, but I would love to do that. Do you think you'd prefer it over Shadowrun? I think it'd be different because uh, a big part of Shadowrun is there's magic in the world and Cyberpunk Red doesn't. Mm -hmm. Uh, But then I'll wait and see. Uh, A lot of people uh, in the Shadowrun community I know do say it is a more, a less crunchy, but still as fun, if not more fun, uh, mechanically than Cyberpunk. So it might be like, I have high hopes for it being better than Shadowrun mechanically. But I again, I have not looked into it yet, so I don't know what it's like exactly. That's fair. Uh, one that I have always been interested in, but I, I haven't even looked into it too too far, is one called Troika. 
I've just heard, I, like, I've seen, I've just been marketed it, like, yeah. for so long. Not recently, but it was, like, a good period about, like, you know, three or four years ago that I'd see ads for it. And I was like, what the heck is it? It Like, the art style looks so interesting. And from the very brief reviews I've seen online, apparently it's actually a really cool game. So that's something I'd like to explore. Okay, put it on the list. Yeah, we'll put it on the list. Um, I haven't had a chance to play it, but that's kind of the that's the, the question. question. Yeah, um, <laughs> no, because I've played a lot of games. Um, I really want to, and and the, the issue is that to be able to count me as playing this game, it has to fit the theme of the RPG very well because this is a themed RPG. I really want to experience Firefly the RPG. Mm-hmm. as it's intended mm-hmm. like playing it and making it feel like the show and making it feel like i'm in that world mm-hmm. which can be a very hard thing to do because it's a very specific tone it's a space western kind of like star wars but more like significantly more western than star mm-hmm. wars and a lot more grounded and yeah. a lot more grounded 100%. Uh, that's one i really really want to play right. are there any rules or mechanics that you've seen in a game that you wish was in more systems. Intimacies from Exalted. Mm-hmm. Exalted is a very specific system, uh, gameplay-wise. Uh, again, the system is very tied to the lore, and the mechanics are very tied to like being super powerful, but the intimacies, or mechanics like it, which mechanically reward players for role-playing and that clearly define what a character is just so you can look at it and be like oh my character is into this and against this and Mm -hmm. not into this like this is what drives them to go for like to move forward Mm -hmm. it's very rare and intimacies are surprisingly good i wish they were like either intimacies itself and other systems yeah. or just mechanics like it. There are, there are more mechanics like it. I think, uh, I think their name's white wolf studios nailed that mechanic so well for me. I really like intimacies as well. I think it's really cool, especially when you might be out of it in terms of like role-playing mm-hmm. in a, in this particular session, you yeah. can kind of always go back to, Oh, what are my character's intimacies? Is what I'm doing going against that because yeah. you know I had a rough day at work <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I'm not playing my character right or, or whatever right so I I like intimacies as well. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing that I do really like is uh, Blades in the Dark. Um, I forget what the mechanic flashback? is called. Yeah, flashback mechanic and having like mm-hmm. a resource to spend on. Okay, I have like you know like two points of which I can be like yeah I prepared for that you know yeah. oh. We we had already done that, and it's kind of like a flashback. Yeah, you know, something that you're not thinking of all because you're not thinking of everything. But yeah. you know, in the campaign, your characters are not you, right? And yeah. so mm-hmm. they've probably thought of something and a way to m- mitigate that without having to retcon everything is to have a mechanic that allows for a limited amount of that. Yeah, yeah. I, I like the equip load for a yeah. similar reason, where it's like, hey narratively so I don't have to super think about and 
prepare ahead of time using yeah. real world time. I can just, you know, say narratively, oh, I've already thought about and done that. Exactly. And just, you know, take it off the list. It's yeah. Blades in the Dark does a lot of good things in terms of speeding things up narratively that mm-hmm. I think is really awesome. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go with an unconventional one, which none of you have experienced, but I've experienced quite a bit. Uh, it's skill masteries in Legend of the Five Rings. Mm-hmm. So in any RPG that has like a skill system, like D&D or uh, Lancer, like most RPGs have like you put points into a skill and then Shadowrun, yeah. you have five in biotech. And you get points for whenever you're rolling for it. Yeah, yeah. You, you, five, you have five in biotech, that means you get five extra dice to roll. Mm-hmm. In Legend of the Five Rings, yeah, you could have like two in Kenjutsu. Like, mm-hmm. like the ability to use a, a katana or a sword, uh, and that'll give you two extra dice. But also, if you get to three kenjutsu, you have what is known as, like, your first skill mastery, which, like, it's an additional thing that is related to the skill that makes that skill and you reaching that skill more tangible. And depending on the skill, like, L5R doesn't go to as far as I'd want it to, but, like, just having incremental, like, milestones. breakdown milestones yeah. in the skills that make it feel more special when you invest in them. So it's incentivizing you to less be more of a jack-of-all-trades and really focus into something. I mean, that could be, that could that be, could be the perception. I see it more as making it feel like you are actual your character's actually mastering the skill as opposed to just rolling more dice because rolling more dice like monkey brain is roll more dice and you know rolling six dice versus seven dice feels the same uh is this do you think this is uh unintentionally what people like about lancer because that's kind of what lancer is it's like Your leveling up is like you get another mech level or talent level or core bonus, it, it's, and that it's is related. Not, yeah, it's that related. is not never more dice. That yeah. is always something new and like a new. Yeah, it, it's related. I just I like mm. the idea that as you focus on one thing, both the character and the player feel like they are mastering something, and it's also something to work towards as well. Exactly. Yeah. Any more questions for the rest? No, that that was all of the questions. Whoa, those are some good questions. All three. Can I just say, you, uh, we haven't done this before and we probably won't do it too frequently. I want to hear your answers, Chris, about these questions. I don't. The- I, I, also, I, really, I also really don't. These are the questions for that, the rest. That's the whole that's point. That's the whole point. All right. That's that's the audience, point. you and me will wonder about the answers forever. You guys can talk about it after. Yeah, yeah, no. For the podcast, you, the audience, you'll never know, but I'll tell the rest of them. <laughs> you'll just have to listen. Yeah. You, you'll have to form... You'll have to get the answers of this through... Context clues. Context clues and what he says throughout other episodes. (laughs) I would love to make... I'm not going to do this because I don't have the time, but I'd love to make a survey. (laughs) Just what do people think Chris's answers are? And just as episodes come along, people will go back and and, edit their answers, see if we get closer and closer to the truth. I think, just based on this episode, an audience 
could figure out my answers for all of these. Definitely. Even the mechanics that people want to add that you yeah. He already answered that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he answered that on my answering. Yep. Uh, I, <laughs> I was going to call him out on it. But also... I was going to call him out on it. It's questions for the rest, yeah. not questions for everybody. I was just Chris. agreeing with No, you. no, no. I, okay. I, I was just messing. <laughs> I'm allowed to agree with But I think there is also another mechanic that you were talking about that I mm-hmm. think you would oh, appreciate. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Hey, now we and know who the true listeners are. Hey, listeners, uh, we don't do this usually, but uh, this is what... <laughs> get in the comments! Yeah. Get in the comments. Figure <laughs> out my answers. You can't do it. Yeah. <laughs> if we, I, It's weird. I listen when we're actually recording it as well. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Uh, I have Spotify one last... have comments? No, no, <laughs> no, we're hey, going on YouTube, on though. YouTube. Oh, yeah, yeah, we're going on YouTube. Yeah. Spoilers. How <laughs> <laughs> is that a spoiler? <laughs> yeah, it, of course, this is a part of the part. Yeah. All of this is remaining in. Yes, <laughs> I'm keeping it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> this is already going to be on YouTube by the time this is out. Yeah, this is two months away. Yeah, sure. Well, one month away from now. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah uh, back to topic. Back on topic. The one, the last thing I would like to say, if you're thinking about what systems to play, is if you're new, especially if you're a new GM, I highly encourage you to pick a system that has a lot of support behind it. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. like, that has an active community, that has a lot of uh, easy answers to find. Or supplemental tools. Yeah. Supplemental tools. Don't play Michael's game. He's the only one. <laughs> he doesn't answer his email very frequently. <laughs> yeah. uh, but, like, again, like, ultimately you should play a game you enjoy, but, uh, like, one of the big reasons to play D&D is that if you were ever not sure about a rules question, that's very easy to look up because yeah. a lot of people have played D&D and there's a lot of active, like, communities and Reddit pages that you could just ask the question and you'll get an answer. Yeah. Lancer has a an active Discord page uh, that it, the producers of Lancer and the writers of Lancer uh, actively participate in. To Exalted, be on the yeah. other hand... Exalted, we've run into multiple situations where it's difficult to find answers because, like, not a... Not enough people play it. There's the community is not act quite active enough. Or alternatively, the community is active in their own divergent paths, yeah. and yeah. every single GM rules things differently. Yeah, yeah. And there's no agreed upon like, oh, yeah. what should this be? Yeah. Rather yeah. than a million GMs, there's a thousand, and so one person being different is more significant yeah. than one person being different in the mil- millions. That's why I I think. Uh, I do recommend that, especially if you're a new GM, but generally for new uh, players to, like, new to tabletop or playing games, pick a system that has a lot of community support. Yeah, the popular ones are popular for a reason. Yeah. Yeah. But also, if you do find one that is less popular, there could be a, you know, super active Discord with a lot of passionate people that. Or Reddit. Yeah, or... Eh. Yeah. That's why I mentioned Lancer. Lancer, I think, yeah. is a smaller game, but because the community and, uh, like, through the Discord and the Reddit page are super and active... And CompCon. Yeah, and super active and super engaged with yeah. the community, then it's very easy to find answers to questions and to find help. Definitely. If you run into any issues with Lancer, even though it's a much smaller game than some of uh, those other games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I think closing remarks... 
What's the perfect system? Not D&D 5th edition. Yep. <laughs> just, just play D&D 5th edition. That's Actually, the perfect system play for Play 1st edition, because it was first for a reason. <laughs> a and D&D? join us on next episode, where we learn how to play 1st edition D&D. <laughs> no, no, really we will not. Oh, we're so bad. We're not doing that. that. I played 2nd edition, and that was pretty rough. Oh, you had to deal with Thacko? Yeah, is that how you? <laughs> That's how you pronounce, pronounce it. it. Thacko. The GM I armor class zero. Yeah, the person I uh, played with, like the GM, they thought it was like a silent H. So it was Taco. Taco. It was ta- it was taco yeah. No, it's Thacko. Yeah. Well, it was so it was so lame because I didn't roll high enough stats to be a paladin. Oh no! Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, that's something that can happen. <laughs> to be fair, you have to roll pretty. Good stats overall to get a paladin. Yeah, like you have to roll insanely well to get a paladin. Yeah. I would love to sit and play one shot of first or second edition and talk about it for an episode what? of the podcast just because of how bad yeah. it is. Well, that's the thing. Like, I specifically wanted to play because I'm the type of player that wants to play a fun character. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to play Flagflog Toothbottom, the rambunctious dwarf paladin who didn't know that they were a paladin. Except you didn't roll well enough to be a paladin. Except I didn't roll well enough, so I had to play a semi-serious ranger. Gross. Lame. Lame. Yeah, that's... Dwarf ranger? That's, that's no, I couldn't even be a dwarf. You couldn't even be a dwarf? <laughs> no. Wow. You didn't roll enough, well enough to be a dwarf. <laughs> he rolled too high on yeah. his height. <laughs> Look, there are a lot of systems that that happens to, and I personally can't wait for us to get to Traveler, where you can... It's the first system that did this. I don't know if it's the only one, where you can die in character creation. Oh, I thought you were going to say you'd die in real life. (laughs) (laughs) Character creation involves a gun. (laughs) I was going to say, it's like you come to session zero and the GM sets a gun down at the middle of the table. It's Russian roulette for stats. (laughs) You can get higher stats, but it takes more rolls. Anyhow, no, I'm dying. Session zero. (laughs) You min maxi piece of shit. Anyhow, I'm just thinking. <laughs> I don't know what to say to close it. Anybody, any of you guys got something? Good, uh, good closing <coughs> statements. Uh, With that said, thank you everybody for listening. No, like the thing that you say, like you know, the thing that the little line, the one. Oh, line, like like yeah, what's the one line? Or yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't forget like your tacos. Don't forget your tacos. Perfect. Don't forget. No, there's a hey, no, little, no. This episode's coming out on Taco Tuesday. Because it always comes out on Tuesday. It always comes out on Tuesday. <laughs> okay. Thacko Tuesday. Thacko <laughs> Tuesday. <laughs> how, do, how do you phrase something like that? Though? See you next Thacko Tuesday. Yeah. Okay. Don't forget that this episode came out on Thacko Tuesday. Thacko Tuesday. Thacko, buddy. Uh, We're done. All right. Uh... Thank you all for listening to another episode of the Table Topics Podcast. I've been Caleb, and joining me have been... Ennis, Chris, Santiago, and Ennis Doesn't Wipe. Thank you so much. <laughs> I thought we were going to do Taco Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's why. <laughs>